Right now, I'm a little embarrassed about the way Veg Hill looks. But boy, do we have plans to change that. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September the 20th, which we're calling Veg Hill 2.0. I don't know whether you remember or not, but uh, not too long ago we talked about Veg Hill Reboot, and all of a sudden we've changed computer terms here to 2.0. And I think it, it, we do so because our plans for updating and upgrading have become much more ambitious. That's right. And I don't know why 2.0 makes more sense. Well, I guess a whole new version is more ambitious than simply shutting it down and rebooting. So I think the metaphor is apt. I really I, do. I think so, too. And the other part of the metaphor, this is the title I want to give our project. Veg Hill 2.0, When Life Gives You Lemons. Make lemonade. So this is our version of lemonade. All right, so let's talk about what we have in mind. Oh, before we do, maybe we should talk about why life has been, or what I mean by when life gives you lemons. Sure, I think our listeners are more well, or less familiar with what it What I was now, going to say is that the reason Veg Hill has gotten into such a state of disarray is because of circumstances preventing us from being out there as much as we want to. And to me, that's, you know, life giving us lemons, and everybody has that happen at some time in their lives or another. But that's just, you know, I I think that point needs explaining, that it has nothing to do with planting lemon trees out there, for example. That's true. (laughs) It has nothing to do with Meyer lemons. So I think we do have a nice Meyer lemon on the back deck, but it's not on Veg Hill right now. The main challenge we have on Veg Hill, not the only, but the main challenge is weeds. And because we have been forced, more or less, to neglect the garden this summer, uh, the weeds have become, uh, they have gained an attitude, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, some of them had turned into trees. They're not just weeds. They're, you know, long vines and climbing things. And it's just really pretty disheartening when I go out there. And we were planning to address that with what we were planning to do with as a reboot, which is just to get out and cut down everything and start over. Till it under, yeah. But the more we thought about it, the more we decided that, you know, it really would not get us in a much better place to do all of that because we then still have the basic problem which is weeds mm-hmm. encroaching on the rows from the aisles. From the aisles, yeah, because we couldn't figure out what to make the aisles out of. Like, you know, you could try putting some gravel, but the weeds come through that. We could try some sort of geotextile, but the weeds come through that. And the geotextile or whatever plastic you put out there will eventually break down, and then you have a mess. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really solve the problem for us. But then our friend came over the other day. Mary McCrone. Yeah. Shout out to you, Mary. Thank you for your creativity and your initiative. Because she is the one who su- what we were struggling yeah, with. suggested that, well, why don't you just put raised beds out there? And, and I had to be honest, I've thought about that. Sure. We've both talked about it, thought about it. Um, and but we always had a reason. reason well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Decided, well, not that. Not now it, or wouldn't help us or whatever. I think at first it was because we didn't think it was compatible with drip irrigation. But as we know, 
it is compatible with it and through some developments that have come along. So that doesn't stop us. Yeah, the, there's no problem there. So what we're talking about doing is going to nearly all raised beds. We say nearly because we think we may end up growing a few cucurbits and maybe some melons just on the ground just because they're such uh, thugs. They're sprawling. Yeah. Territory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we're, that's, the jury's still out on that. We're certainly going to try growing them in raised beds and see how it works. And we've already planted our asparagus in the ground, so that's where that will stay. True. Um, at least temporarily, that means we're shoving the chickens aside. They, they'll just have to wait because once we make up our mind to do this, there has to be a logical point at which you do it. And for us, the logical point is in time to plant fall veg. Yes, which I've already purchased. They're sitting there and we've decided to do this. And so now we just need to go ahead and build those beds and fill them with soil and get those things planted. Uh, pretty soon my garlic will be arriving. I ordered that earlier in the year. And so it'll be time to get the fall stuff in the ground. That's right. All of this is going to come pretty thick and fast here. Our eventual plan is to have somewhere between 12 and 16 beds. Each bed will be the same size. That's important to us. We want to have a standard bed so that we can do some other things, which we will talk about in a moment. But each bed will be 16 feet long by 4 feet wide. And we are using this ground contact treated lumber that um, Jeremy at True Value has special ordered for us. Well, that's good because, yes, I had never thought about the fact there was a, I mean, I knew it's better to use treated lumber, but this is the first I've heard of ground contact treated lumber. And what I am told is the difference between ground contract and ordinary treated yellow pine is uh, the difference between 0.25 and 0.4% of this chemical that they, with which they impregnate the wood. It's not harmful so to plants. It it's is not, not harmful toxic. to plants, according to ACES, the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. And so we, we feel good about using this material. Um, and we know that it will last at least for our lifetimes. Um, our right. children are on their own. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, we've talked a little bit about uh, the beds, the nature of them and the measurements. We think we'll start with eight, but we could always add more if we need to. And you may be wondering, why do we need to start with eight beds when we're not planning to use all eight of those for fall For veg? fall veg. No, we're not. The reason that I have suggested we start with eight is that once you open a trench for drip irrigation, it really makes sense to go ahead and finish that trench and close it up. So mm -hmm. that's the suggestion that I'm making is we go ahead and build eight beds and get the, the irrigation trench to them, get all of the drip lines in place and so forth, and then close the trench. And then we'll just add soil as needed to the beds right. that we don't use. And for what we can do for, for any... Um beds that are just sitting there not being used during the course of the fall and winter we can line those on the inside with plastic or you know cardboard or something so that we don't just grow weeds in them that would sort of defeat the purpose of what yeah. we're doing uh, but we'll and then we'll probably buy our topsoil from a local um, company in Montgomery that sells it and we'll just um, you know do that and then over the years of course do what we've con we've been doing out there which is to Keep building our soil, adding you compost. Bet. Cover crops and right. um, 
will we'll continue doing all the good husbandry that you do to protect your soil. Uh, speaking of which, I was delighted to see today my first earthworm on Veg Hill. Oh, I've seen them before when I've okay. been digging around. I have yes. not, so it was like, oh, finally. Yeah. Because we've been wondering, why oh, yeah. do we not have earthworms? Well, I've seen them while, I, while planting the past couple of years, but Good. it did take a while. Um, the first year or two, I didn't, and... It's been, you know, sort of disheartening. Well, when the first year, it was just a lot of hard pan out there. It was really not a very fun place to... Yeah, we didn't have... <laughs> we knew why we didn't have earthworms the first year. But now, we've been building our soil. We've used the cover crops in the past. And as you said, we'll we'll do that again. But we've got to start off somewhere with these beds. So we'll be purchasing some, some topsoil there. So let's have a conversation about standardizing. That's one thing that we, we're really excited about, about this raised bed idea, because it offers us for the first time the opportunity to standardize several of the little fittings that we like to add to the rows from time to time. For example, we think we may be able to standardize a solarizing Right. Appliance. Yeah. So, so we'll just piece be of able plastic to plop it in place mm-hmm. right on top of the raised bed and begin solarizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is killing all of the vegetation on the top of the soil. Uh, we are told that the earthworms can burrow down and protect themselves from the heat. So we're, n- we're really not endangering them. But it does kill the weeds. So. It kills out all of the well, vegetation at least temporarily. on the surface, yeah. <laughs> at least temporarily, but it gives you an opportunity to sort of get control of a, of a bed if you're ready to start something new on it. Um, oh, it, uh, let me tell you something else I think will be fun to standardize is some kind of row cover. Exactly. I think it would be good for us to be able to add a standard row cover so that we could add uh, an insect barrier, a frost barrier, mm-hmm. whatever we may want to add. Yeah, and as far as insect barrier... I use that both in the fall and the spring. In the fall, uh, because of the grasshoppers, which the past couple of years they've been enough of a problem that I probably wouldn't have had any fall veg of the at least the brassicas if it hadn't been for row cover because yeah. the the Carolina grasshoppers and all kinds of gra- I've seen huge ones out there uh, just a few minutes ago. They'll eat the the little tender. Um, collard leaves and cabbage leaves before the plant even gets a chance to establish itself. So we have to do something to protect it. And of course, in the spring, uh, row cover is a good way to fight off squash bugs by preventing them from, you know, presenting a, uh, by putting in a physical barrier to them. So before the squash plants begin to bloom, we can keep the insects away from them. Oh, I think as soon as I've planted the seeds, <laughs> I'll put that row cover. No, in. I mean as as long as you do it before the squash begins to bloom. Oh, then once you it begins to bloom. Then you have you to want remove the bees it. to be able to. Absolutely, get you yeah. remove the row cover then. But by that time, you're hoping your plants are established, and you do that in conjunction with planting the the squash early so that you hopefully get ahead of the bugs. So anyway, we'll yeah. be able to use those standardized sizes of row covers very easily. And I don't think we're going to be able to use the row covers for it, but I think once we have a standard size bed, we will be develop a standard method to to um, deploy shade cloth. When we need to, right. When we need shade mm-hmm. cloth. So, you know, it, all of those are advantages of what we're planning to do. The drip the, system, too. The yeah. big, yeah, everything's standardized on the drip irrigation. Uh, the big advantage for you and me in terms of weed control 
is for the first time getting this clear line of demarcation between the turf that I control and keep under and keep cut and the growing surface which you control mm-hmm. and what we've had in the past has been you know I, I'd keep the aisles cut but then weeds encroach from the aisles into the rows or vice versa mm-hmm. and it was just really getting both of us down but this we hope will give us a way to keep both of them under control. Yeah, and you know, I'm not afraid to, you, you said you would mow on a regular basis, keep the uh, the aisles cut. Of course, we're going to make sure that we space the beds far enough apart that you can get your quick dually, I think you call it, yes, your lawnmower yeah. in there. Yeah, we'll leave, every, we'll leave room for the walk-behind mower uh, in every point so that we won't need to use anything smaller than the walk-behind right. on right. Veg Hill, which will that will speed things up. Yeah, yeah. And then the other uh, thing I'm I am in favor of doing because it's organic and I'm not going to have it anywhere near my target crop is what, to the extent that there are weeds that come up in the corners, like right up against where the um, where the grass uh, articulates with the wood of the um, side of the of the bed. I'm not. I don't mind getting some 10% vinegar and just in a big sprayer and just spray those corners because it'll, you know, keep the weeds from. I'm not following that, but I'm sure that'll make it's, sense. Well, you know, normally when when you can't get right up against the the edge of something, it's kind of like trying to get up against a building, you know, with your lawnmower. You can't. There's always going to be a little. Um, well, that's what the weed eaters for. Well, then if you would rather weed eat, that's fine. But I don't I mind would. using the vinegar. I'd rather use the weed eater. Well, good. But, then that you know, notice how uh, cleverly I did that. I just shifted the work from myself to you. Thank you, honey. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had always thought that that I would be using the weed eater out there. Well, if you um, don't mind, that that really then don't. that really solves a lot of our problems. Um, I thought of another advantage that um, it's it's because of a critter that's invaded me this year. Um, I'm pretty sure that what I have that's been eating my potatoes, and unfortunately our sweet potatoes, uh, must be a vole. Not a mole, but a vole, because voles are vegetarians, and they like, they apparently like my root vegetables. So, uh, but they, you know, they, you know, I might be finding out that they are very happy crawling up into a raised bed, and that doesn't solve the problem, but I keep hoping that by having it my planting raised by about eight to 12 inches from where it is now the voles will be out underneath the raised bed and not coming up into there to eat whatever Let i have planted hope. that's that's what i'm hoping will be another yeah. we'll um, have a thing. slightly higher growing surface which should be a little easier on your back yes and i have one of those um carts that you garden carts you see that you can sit on and it rolls down your uh through your garden and that just sitting on something that height and then being able to reach up to a 12-inch raised bed should help my back considerably. We also hope that we will have better control of the soil quality. Obviously, we're quite proud of the, the improvement in the quality of the soil in the rows of Veg Hill. But one thing that happens when we start doing raised beds is we start with even better soil. You, know, you mm-hmm. start start with the, and uh, in, in our case, we're planning to get this stuff called super soil from Froggy Bottom in Montgomery, which is one third sand, one third mushroom mm-hmm. compost, and one third crushed wood chips. 
and everybody acknowledges that it's just a wonderful topsoil oh, yes. growing medium. And we've used it before, and it's we've well, yeah, we done extremely well. We've used it very well. successfully yeah. and, and expect that it will work great mm-hmm. in these raised beds. Right. Um, we also think that Veg Hill's going to look a little better. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just, my stomach churned when I looked out there this summer on days that I knew I couldn't get out there to, and the weeds had grown and I'd been gone to California for 10 days and, you know, all those different, the litany that uh, caused the neglect. I just felt that it was out of control. And um, even had we been able to get out there and do it still wasn't as organized looking as I want it to be. Well, now I think it's going to look very organized. I do too. And therefore, dare we say it, the B word, it might be beautiful. We, we might hope. actually be able to indulge ourselves and add some elements that are there just to make it more beautiful. For example, I'd like to have some kind of a water feature back there yeah, in, behind the planting area and some... Um, we've got some areas that are shaded, really, because of the way the fence is attached to the trees. And we'll, we have the luxury, since we're going to make plant in a smaller area than we have been before, plant more intensively than we have been before. Um, we have the luxury of having some space inside the deer fence that where I can plant some ornamentals and some shade-tolerant things. So I think it'll be nice. I think so, too. Um Let's talk a little bit about the disadvantages of raised beds. Well, uh, the cost, for one. The cost is uh, an issue. It's, uh, it's going to work out, by the time we get them irrigated, to cost about $100 per bed. So if we do 12 to 16 of those beds, you can re- do the math and think about what that's going to cost us. Um, the other big disadvantage is they have a tendency to dry out. And we knew that in the first year. Yeah, that's something that I knew about raised beds and had heard. And actually, we had a raised bed our very first year. We had one yeah, that was used, we used cinder block. Yeah. And I did notice that. It's just exactly what all the gardening books tell you is that they're, you're just going to have to water a whole lot more in a raised bed than you would you know, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, the water table just, yeah. you know, it's going to fall faster. So, But with drip irrigation, I think we just can put our minds at ease that we will be able to continue regulating um, and being consistent with our water on the veg. And after the first year, that tends to um, be a little less of an issue because as the the soil develops more of, a, of its own character, it begins to hold moisture yeah. better. Yeah, and we'll be... As I've said before, we'll be side dressing with compost or integrating some into the planting. Um, so as each, each time we plant something new, I think we will see the, um, the improvement of our soil quality. At least we hope so. So that's um, our big plan for Veg Hill 2.0. Um, underway as we speak, we've both been working hard today yeah. getting uh, the, place, the, the place in line for pulled- the next... Yeah, I've been pulling pull drip, uh, tape. drip tape and pulling trellises and pulling T-posts and hog wire, just trying to clean it up first so we can get tractor out there and begin cutting it down. And so I forth. have been harvesting, and, and, and today I pulled the lima beans down so and harvested. So you one half step ahead of me as yes. soon as you finish harvesting. And I'm I harvested almost a half bushel of one of those little half bushel baskets of lima beans, and that was pretty... Nice. We'll have that yeah, to last cool. us for a while. And then probably the okra will come down in the next couple of days. We'll say farewell to that. 
So, but the next chapter we hope to share with you um, next week and let you know how we're coming. But it's exciting, and we hope that uh, your gardening adventures are going well, and we will look forward to visiting with you again next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.